tonight, it's all too easy for South Africa as they cruise to victory in the first test. But is the DRS a load of BS? Special guests Jason Gillespie and Damien Fleming give us their take. Then Barber's season ends on a costly high, while Jared Haynes' latest dream to become a school teacher gets off to a rocky start. Sit back and enjoy the ride. This is the Backpage Live. You've been waiting your whole life for this. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think women aren't strong enough, but we just beat the world. Their sex is a doll. I got pressed in the back of the head regularly. It's just unfortunate it was from a coach. Yes, good day, everybody. Good to be with you. Plenty of juicy stories to get into tonight with Kelly Underwood and Robert Craddock. Hello and welcome to you both. And alongside Damien Fleming, a man with a filthy moustache who used to be Ryan Fitzgerald. What's going on there, mister? It's the only month of the year that I can also be a nightclub promoter. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, come on down. It's happy hour. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> and on that note, sex and drugs. Yes, it's the off-season in rugby league, ladies and gentlemen, but the stories just keep coming. Now, to the drugs first, with Cronulla's Premiership celebration claiming Ben Barber, who's left the club and the country after testing positive to cocaine-use Robert Crash Craddock, what do you make of this story? Well, it's disturbing, isn't it? Who would have thought the grand final could be the last game of NRL he ever plays? It's, yep. uh, he's been to three clubs. He's only 27, but he's been really high maintenance for all of them, Tony. Every time he's left a club, there's been a whoof. But we've all bought into the redemption stories. My hand's in the air. Every journalist who's written it, oh, the past is behind me. But he was such a fragile kid... And I even understand now, the, this issue goes well beyond drugs. Psychologically, he's really struggling. All these redemption stories, though, are just works in progress, aren't mm. they, rather than being a definitive yeah. redemption story. The thing that, uh, that I'm trying to get my head around is this. Sure, he's gone, he's won a grand final. They've gone off and that they'd partied. Obviously, he's taken cocaine. That's now been... Uh, we know that. Why don't you just say, yeah, OK, I own up and I've got my 12 weeks, I'm out of the game and away you go. By saying I'm going off to rehab overseas, isn't he now kind of making it more of a story about what's been going on? Yeah, it doesn't look like it's a one-off story then, does it, no. if he does have a problem? The other thing as well, everyone knew, leading, every player knew leading up to the end of the season that they were, they were adamant yep. and they were, they were going to be strict. Boys, we're going to test you after the season is over. Now, what, do you reckon the Sharks would have sat the boys down at some stage and said, lads, you've got to be back at the club, we're going to have meetings, and obviously you're celebrating. Just be... Don't be stupid. They're going to be drug-testing you. And, look, you know, without doubt, the boys go away for end-of-season trips. Like, yep. wait till you're going to do that. But do you think the club, the Sharks, would have sat them down and gave them that talk beforehand? I'm sure that is. Shane Flanagan, in fact, talked about not having too much alcohol. He mm. wanted the blokes to remember the feeling of what they just achieved. We didn't do that in the World Cup of 1999. <laughs> <laughs> there was no mandate from the coaching staff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. You're 27 years of age, you've just won a premiership, you want to go back-to-back -back and he's in real trouble, isn't he? I just that's... wonder whether someone will pick him up. I mean... Well, every... But who, who would pick him up? Oh, look, some desperate coach who wants to be the coach who said, 
I saved Ben Barber. You know, he, he can play this kid. Have a look at this. Two I mean, coaches have been there before and yep. thought they've been uh, able to say the same thing. But just when you think in rugby league, a player's reached the end of the road, I'm thinking guys like Greg Bird, Tony, yep. there's always a desperate club and a coach who think he can be the miracle worker. I doubt it with this yeah. kid. I think, I think he's... It's such a complex story and there's been so much time put into him. No one, Some kids just aren't suited to the spotlight and NRL. And that's the overwhelming feeling, isn't it? It's sad and yeah. it's disappointing. He could have ended his career on a high note. He probably did in a sense. Yes. But um, <laughs> uh, the fact that, you know, he had worked so... <laughs> 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 first joke for the year. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, he worked so hard to yeah. get his, his life back on track, his family back Got on track. Kids. It's disappointing for him and, and you feel for his family. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I hope we haven't seen the last game from him in the NRL. I'd love to see him run again, around again. All right, to sex now. Or rude pictures. <laughs> anyway, uh, how, how does this happen? Jared Hayne, now, he allows his phone to be used to lecture school kids about cyber safety. And the first images that pop up in the presentation are of uh, <clears throat> people doing funny business. Uh, what do you think? You talk about historical moments and the, most, and the most memorable ever, Kel. Man on the Moon, Martin Luther King address, yep. Nelson Mandela coming out of prison. Yep. Yes. But for every one of those kids that were in that room, yep. <laughs> you can say for the rest of your life that I was there the day that Jared at Hayne got Pornhub up exactly. on the screen. Every school reunion, every ten years, you know, they're bald, they've got the name tags. I remember when Jared Hayne came in. Well, that, will, that will be the school reunion. <laughs> the Jared Hayne day. And you yeah. know what? Can I just say, for a teenage boy that was in that room, to see your role model get up there and to know that he prepares like that, that is a stage in your life where you can go hell for leather. He didn't prepare like that. He's the victim here. Isn't do we that the believe case? it? I do. Do we really believe that? Surely he uh, knows delete history, look, doesn't uh, he? Something just doesn't add up with this story. It is a bizarre story. The TV cameras were there. Yep. They captured it. You know. Uh, I mean, the denials have been categorical, but have you ever seen it before? Have you ever been in a room where, where something like that's happened, Flem? Well, who is he sponsored by? Was it Norton's? Norton? Norton. Norton. Yeah, yeah, well, Norton. That's yeah. not a great endorsement there. No. no, 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 no. There is a little story going in the cricketing uh, fraternity. A... Uh, a coach uh, with a new boss wanted to show the presentation on what they did there on all the different cricket activities. And uh -huh. uh, when the computer was pressed, uh, there were some activities, but they weren't of the cricket nature. They, they would be <laughs> similar to what we've just very seen. similar to that. Right. He jumps up in a panic. <laughs> jumps up to stop the screen playing. What he forgets is he's actually wearing a white shirt. Suddenly he's got the drive in. Brilliant. Let's have a quick listen to what Jared Hayne had to say after. You know it was obviously I, I shut my phone straight away so that I was logged off, so it was, but um yeah. <laughs> well, um but yeah, like I said, we're here to talk footy. Well, you're not there to talk footy. You were there to talk cyber security. <laughs> it went horribly wrong. <laughs> I find it really interesting that Crash is saying, how does this ever happen before? This is the man who yesterday was had his own private messages. He was actually tweeting, or going out on Twitter rather than texting What do you friends. mean? We were actually in the, in the Wacker press box and we are talking about Hayne and I said... You know, in this age, there's no excuse for anyone who doesn't know, but I didn't realise I was tweeting my, my text messages. And so everyone's... I've got these deluge of messages saying, oh, this is interesting, mate, and I'm going, Jesus. <laughs> so are you, so, so are, you, are you presenting at that school? <laughs> <laughs> but it does 
show. We can all get caught. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Look, we've got, uh, we've got Flynn with us tonight. In a little while, we've got Jason Gillespie with us uh, because he really wanted... We were keen to talk cricket. Turns out, I don't want to talk cricket because we're rubbish. For the first time since 1988, Australia's lost the first test of a home summer. That's the year before Steve Smith was born. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was terrible. We dominated the first day, didn't yeah. we? So it was all set up. We sh shouldn't, with the scheduling, we should pl uh, never play South Africa again at the Wacker. It's like a home test. They've won three in a row, so they can't play anywhere within seven hours of Joe Bird, basically, <laughs> in Australia. Right. But uh, good on them. You know, no AB de Villiers. Yep. Stain and Amler uh, were minimal. Their three youngsters played so well. They were behind. They showed great resilience uh, and, and unbelievable execution. Um, it, and they were well captain. You know, Fat Duple not just a cool name, yeah. very, very cool captain. Is that well, the story or how bad Australia was? Oh, I think we're a bit of a rabble at the moment, Tony. You've got selectors fighting with medical people. The team unity, I'm not sure about it. You've got... Like, here's an example... On uh, the second test, Peter Siddle's broken down. Another fast bowler breaking down. I mean, we've got a story going in tomorrow, Merv Hughes saying, stop treating them like babies, all this resting and rotation. But Bird's coming into the squad, but Joe Many will play ahead of him because the selectors have guaranteed that the same squad stays on. That is madness. Jackson Bird is a great Hobart bowler. It's going to be overcast, Flem. It'll seem down there. Would you have Bird ahead of many? Oh, mate, so he's in good batting form too. <laughs> <laughs> he's got 39. <laughs> so he's replacing Sean Marsh at the top of the order. Um, just quickly on the, the, the um, Australians being underdone. No, no doubt uh, Mitchell Stark looked underdone. Josh Hazel would look fine there. But I'm with me. I'll be interested to see what Merv Hughes has said there because uh, I think us former players feel like um, they, they, you should be in control of your preparation. You've got to do everything you can do physically and mental to make sure that when that you go onto the field, there's nothing more you could have done. And I'm always interested in the recently retired players and what they've got to say. So Brett Lee, Mitchell Johnson, two of the all-time great Australian fast bowlers, have both bagged um, the rotations, the counting the balls scenario. So it's almost when you're playing, you can't say anything. Yeah. And so I reckon their words have weight. They were, look, they were well beaten Australia, but they also did get some dodgy calls, let's be honest. Uh, both Steve Smith's LBW in the first innings and Mitch Marsh's in the second were appalling. I think the Mitch Marsh one is probably the worst, though, this decision here. Now, this is the DRS. This is a piece of nonsense. This isn't hitting another set of stumps on the no. leg side. First off, great delivery. And this is what South Africa did better than so our positive about South Africa. Ball, and it's... Like, that's a great in-swing Yorker, yep. but that wouldn't have hit sixth stump, yeah. no. the way we've looked at that. Yeah, and that's a leg break. <laughs> okay. So, what's the answer here, Tony? Because I'm a little bit well, confused. When you just have an umpire, all the whinging and the, and the complaints is that there's too much human error. So mm -hmm. we've turned to technology, which means we trust technology. Australia's put up its hand and said, yes, we've agreed to it. Yeah. And now you're complaining about well, the technology. Well, it's obvious. So what's Kel? the answer? Well, it's obvious, Kel. you just got to let Norton cyber security take it. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, I mean, what, what, what is the answer? Don't you, defeat you, my you, argument with logic. Well, you've been whinging <laughs> all day. Really? DRS, it is, it DRS, should be blown DRS. up. But everyone has to go at India when India failed to embrace it, Flam, didn't they? But their theory is... A cricket ball is not a shot put. It doesn't go in a direct straight line. Like, it's quite... How do you predict the path of it? And, and it's a fair argument. It's interesting to back up Cal a little bit, um, and we'll talk about Smith's uh, DRS there. India have accepted it now. Yeah, finally. Evidently, yeah. they had a presentation from the ICC. Within an hour, they've said yes to it. So, at, 
the feeling from has uh, got better and better. Mm. It's just that one there but, that I'm a bit puzzled. So I'm saying it should be blown up, and obviously that could be a little bit extreme. But the ball tracking, uh, it's just yeah. not reliable enough. Now, remember, we showed you this. Have a look here. This is uh, from a one-day game. Uh, it's Australia. This is... He's out. He's bowled, which is terrific. Uh, didn't see enough of that the other day. There it is. It hits the top of the middle stump. Uh, and they show that a few times. And then they go to ball tracking... And uh, it goes <laughs> right over the top. It misses the stumps completely. Sorry, if you don't... He's just been bossed. That doesn't sell a good story. No, yeah. no. But so there is some dodgy ones. If you don't, if you don't trust the system, then no. don't use it. Yeah, that's right. You either go one way or the other, but there have been some dodgy ones around the world. Or, or honestly, th th there's about one of them a year, and it, it undermines everything. Mm. All right, are we concerned then? Obviously, Sean Marsh is out for this next test. Uh, we have the bolt. Peter Siddle's gone, as we mentioned yeah, before. And Adam Voges is probably likely to go as well. So Callum Ferguson's brought some in. changes in. Obviously, yep. Joe Burns, I'm comfortable with that. Yep. I thought he was unlucky not to be in the team anyway. He's, he's scored test hundreds, so yep. at least we know at his best he can do that. Callum Ferguson comes into the squad, so I reckon they'll play. I don't think they'll take a risk with Adam Voges' hamstring. But and then, obviously, um, Joe Manny will have to play yeah. because he was picked in the original 12. And Peter Siddle, unfortunately, stress fractures at 31, which is pretty bizarre in itself. But don't forget, I mean, they've got their problems as well. I called this the nappy sand test because we finally got rid of a stain and we still couldn't celebrate a win. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> So um, are you worried about them? Like, Cal, have you got any jokes? <laughs> <laughs> I've done my one for the year. Can I, can I just... My overwhelming feeling watching it with the remote, wanting to throw the remote at the TV a few times, was the Australian batsmen, they were batting for runs, not batting for time, yep. and an inability just to dig in and say, you know what, I'm just going to bat this day out. Yeah. It doesn't... It, it yep. seemed like they were lacking passion, fight, sort of, you Guts. know... Yeah, yeah. It, it is true. The old-fashioned test match fighter is so undervalued. You don't need six of them, but if you haven't got a couple, you've got nothing. Uh, mm. Jack Callis, I remember watching him at a net session last time he was in Australia, and he only faced 20 balls, and you know what? He didn't hit one of them. Mm. Every ball in the nets, he went like that and said, wow. that'll do me, and walked out. That's that's willpower. We have not got willpower. Are they a team at the that. moment? Are they a team at the moment? I, I, they look to me very similar to the Australian team of the mid 1980s. Desperate times, and it's when when it's every man for himself, and you're swimming for that life raft. You're thinking about yourself. Mm. It's natural. It's human nature. The rot set in uh, for Australia on day two when Channel 9 commentator Mark Nicholas got Dave Warner out on 97. Yes, it, it was Mark Nicholas. Have a listen. Never been out in the 90s. Mark, sorry. What did you say then? Did you say he's never been out in the 90s? In a test match, he's never oh, been out in the no. 90s. He's gone. He's gone. Unbelievable. <laughs> 97. That's the same reaction Morney has when a girl doesn't give him his number. <laughs> <laughs> You're back, Fitzy. Uh, you're back. But for all that, Warney it, it, does have this freakish ability. Bag him, if you like, just to see the future, Flem, doesn't he? Just to see you're the future. <laughs> he has this freakish ability just to see the no, future. just put the mozzie on him. You don't like doing that to people. It's, yeah. it's, it's not just, just like cricket. tone never messes up a line. Exactly. <laughs> 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 never messes up a line. <laughs> <laughs> good. It's not just cricket where the commentator's curse comes into play. What about tennis? An excellent temperament. Doesn't seem to get overly affected by either winning big matches or losing situations. <laughs> Just as I say that on cue. That's the first time I've ever seen her do that. There's a lot of eyes on her as well. She'll know she'll get a uh, racket abuse warning there. Of course, the curse of a commentator.
that is unbelievable. Champagne. The only bright spot for Australia was Dale Stane busting his celebrating shoulder. Uh, look, I'm not a huge fan of him, but uh, when he celebrates, kidding? yeah, he's a superstar. Uh, he, yeah. He's a superstar. He's okay, but he does go over the top. Look at this. But it is when that happened, we all thought, well, there no, you go. Test match over. Test match over. I just thought South Africa can't get back into this game here, yep. and uh, maybe the Australian batting relaxed a little bit and thought they were going to dominate because the story of the test match once again is our batting. If we were 100 ahead, we would have won that test match. It's mm. a bit different being minus 100 runs and starting off, but yeah, we might not see him again in test match No, exactly, cricket. which would be incredibly One sad. Great he goes... And then another kid stands up beautifully, yeah. the young gun, Nakisa Rabada. He was absolutely brilliant. He can work on his high-five awareness, so uh, he goes around the team. And look, they're standing there, a Bavuma, hand still up. Come yeah, <laughs> yeah, He's little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm over here. He deserves a high-five, Bavuma. Well, it's a bit like he... he's batting. He hangs in there, yeah, Bavuma. Well, it's, word, word is that Mornay Morkel stepped on him today. <laughs> And to scrape but him they, off the bottom of his shoe. It's funny they protect him. Uh, <laughs> the South Africans actually protect him. Like, they're so conscious of his height. Like, he's less than 160. He's about 161. But in all the programs, he's 165. He hasn't got an issue about it. No. But everyone, but he hates that everyone else has. Like, at a presser, they'll say, don't ask him about his height. And he goes, why? Ask me about my height. I don't care. And if someone overhears that, they go, oh, isn't he sensitive? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you what, he used every bit. Just on Rabada, like, it was almost the, the passing on as, uh, of the spearhead. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. it? The, the oh, he, he's just got genuine pace. Yeah. Great execution. And he, and he was moving the ball, wasn't he? Well, five oh, wicket hall in that second innings just looked amazing. And the pace picks up as ever. He's got that beautiful action and then... They did the move the ball a bit more than our boys. There wasn't yeah. a lot of traditional swing, but reverse swing come into play and yeah. South Africa... Rabada's got a, a degenerative back condition. I reckon if, if he was born in Australia, he, we'd, we'd sort of He'd rest him and yeah. uh, he'd allowed to bowl two balls in the nets. But they right, say, so go, go He was it, bowling mate. out over yeah. spells. So what I'm understanding from our conversation is that we are definitely going to win the next test. <laughs> the Aussie batters, of course, have a lot to work on. They could take some lessons from George Bailey. He's yeah. employing the uh, bum at bowler stance, so just <laughs> a terrific <laughs> idea. Look at that. Oh. Presenting. Oh, then, whoop, there he goes. The he's been moving towards that a little bit. Hasn't since he's done that, he's scored so many runs. Yeah. He felt like he was actually squaring up too much. Yeah, right. So, you can see, just before the ball bowls, he actually moves that back foot across there. But that's that's a lot that's, more extreme than last year. That's like, a, you know, in a junior coach, when, you, when you're moving across your wicket too much or something, and he goes, right, just, just stay where you are and just turn your back <laughs> to the, <laughs> to the right, bowler. Exactly. George Bailey's still exactly. doing it. And well, the opposite to that is, obviously, uh, yeah, Chandipal. Chivron. Chandipal, well, I think we've got some vision of him too because he's just look at amazing. That. That's absolute Can't extremes, isn't it? it? He's facing somebody bowling from le from <laughs> gut square leg. <laughs> Abs That's what you do to your mates in the backyard when you're dominating so much. <laughs> dominating. All right, I don't know if it's sacrilege or a glimpse into the brilliant future. The Melbourne Cricket Ground may get a retractable roof. I know because Kelly told me. Uh, <laughs> oh. We've seen cricket played under a roof before. Obviously, at Eddie Had Stadium, some one-dayers were, were there. If it, is this likely to happen? Oh, I think this is a bit laughable, this story, to be honest. Really? I mean, that would change the dynamics of the MCG forever. I just... I don't see why there is a need that for beautiful. it. That if we are sitting here in 20 years' time, mm -hmm. I think we would still be debating the fact that it would be laughable and it would never happen. I can't, I so can't imagine that... If they that get a roof, it, they can still get enough sun on the surface. Why well, wouldn't you do it? You... you you go and wash outs on Boxing Day or something well, like that. Well, it is a grand final. It takes the element out of a, 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 a wet grand final. And but you've got a dry one, you've got a better game. 
So off the top of my head, one of the great grand finals was Geelong St Kilda, and that was wet going back in. When was that? 09? Yeah, wow. that's right. Oh, wasn't that cricket. wet, was it? You lob for a Boxing Day test You lob for a Boxing Day test match. You want there to be points. Yeah. Imagine how much it would cost. For the cost of doing that, do you think it's really worth it? Uh, I don't know. Does that's... every stadium need to have a roof? Mm. No, no, you're probably right. Oh, Last okay. week uh, we pretended uh, that you had a book out crash amid the spate of cricket books. <laughs> the imaginary book is selling much better than we expected. There it is there, Crash Craddock, Legless Before Wicket. Uh, terrific read for those who want to get out and get a copy at all good bookstores. What's happened? Well, <laughs> when we got off air the next day, I had two phone calls from radio stations, including one, and I've done this myself, trying to line up interviews, saying... Crash, great read, mate. Do you want to come on and promote it? Really good stuff. <laughs> Love the anecdotes. The funny bits were terrific. I mean, it's no book. It's an imaginary book. The book doesn't exist. But I've done that before, said, mate, rip a read. You know? <laughs> Do you want to come on? Yeah. All right, let's quickly get to some Aussie glory at last. The Wallabies have kicked off their spring tour with a win over the might of Wales. Obviously, that's just uh, four wins away from the Grand Slam, uh, Crash. They've played, especially the first half, passes were sticking, they were running great lines. It was a terrific performance. It really was, and this may sound strange, but their new skills coach, Mick Byrne, has taught them how to catch and pass again. And people would laugh at that. you say, mate, these are the Wallabies. They should know that. Yep. But it's amazing how when you go back to the absolute fundamentals, it can just sharpen them up. And that's as sharp as they've looked for a couple of years. They look really good. They've got Scotland on the weekend. And who's to say they won't win a grand slam? Well, great, wasn't it? Uh, Glenn Ellis was getting into Michael Checker, saying he's picking people out of position, but that all worked very well. Even the line-out seemed to work. Bernard Foley looked good too. Yeah. yeah. He has beaten off Quade Cooper in that challenge. All right, look, uh, I'm not sure which the people of Chicago are celebrating hard at the Cubs World Series after a 108-year drought or Ireland's first win over the All Blacks in 111 years because it was played at Chicago's Soldier Field. But this is, I mean, for the All Blacks, they've come there. Maybe it's a bit of a junket. They had a few players out injured. They're expecting to win. But they've won 18 in a row. Their history, they want to win that. They don't. I think this game was being played at the same time five million were in the street celebrating yes. the Cubs yeah. win. So I couldn't believe the crowd. I mean, the Irish fans uh, for this, just as we were talking up 18 wins in a row, the, yeah. uh, you know, in the same conversation as the greatest sports teams uh, of all time. And the year for the groundbreaking underdog story uh, just keeps coming. Wow. Never, never beaten the All Blacks. Really and didn't horrible. the Irish take it well? Like, well, they've beaten them 28 times in a row and they've come into press conferences using the old line. No one beats yeah. us 29 times it's in a row. <laughs> so good. I did like that, the pre-game tribute to Ireland's former Test captain, Anthony Foley, who died at just 42 quite recently. They faced off the wonderful Harker in the form of his yeah. number eight. It was a, just an amazing touch and a beautiful start to that game. As it, I said, ended wonderfully for them. Well, it was, it was such a stunning death. They were playing the next yeah. day, Munster. It was in his hotel room. He had heart problems and just didn't get out of bed. I mean, his players were getting ready to go to the ground. Oh, no. His dad played for Ireland. His sister played for Ireland. And he was a man of great passion. And that is one of the great sporting events of the year. That showed what passion can achieve. Those blokes, we talk about Matt Irishman, they went out and said, we're taking you blokes down today. Fabulous. Mm. Yeah, look, the, the, uh, in terms of the celebrations, probably no contest. The Cubs World Series win over Cleveland was an absolute epic. It went to Game 7 to a 10th inning through a 17-minute rain delay and then into the history books. It was wonderful, wasn't it? <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was going to take another 180 years. Yeah, I know. Talk about long-suffering fans and wow. making them wait. They oh. had to wait from Wednesday night into Thursday morning. What was it, 6 or bottom of the ninth? 
And then the, uh, they gave up that four-run lead. They had that Mother Nature intervene. They had the rain delay, and it finished in the early hours of Thursday morning. I don't think any You're of those people have five, slept yet. Five million people. I don't know who did the head count, but five million yeah. people. It was the Billy Goat Tavern curse, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's the right. goat bed. Would... <laughs> I'm not sure. Not. That goat was in 1940. It doesn't look like five million to me, but certainly they're allowed to say whatever they like. They've won the World Series. Well, and, they're uh, world champs. They are. Aren't they? <laughs> they're world champs. <laughs> they are. They did. They played well. Played. All right. Forget the high five though to celebrate. The Cubs have worked on a new one. It's just the groin bump. Uh, it's very, very tasteful. Uh, Jared Haynes got it on his. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like it. Here's one. another one. Oh. Whoopsie. That's the, that's the low two. <laughs> oh. The high five into the low two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the... <laughs> The Rabona is uh, sort of a, a smart-ass trick kick most often used in football. Uh, I'm not sure why this bloke tried it in oh. an NFL kick-off. It just doesn't work at all. Even have the close look. Here he goes. What, what was he thinking? Oh, oh, he tried a trick shot. <laughs> tried the trick shot and just absolutely Don't came try off. this at home, kids. He's Don't kicked it into his own leg. <laughs> exactly. All right, coming up, Jason Gillespie joins us. North Melbourne's new angry logo, another rolled gold top five, plus the A-League with all the drama and controversy from the Big Blue. Mike Hampton next to play. Look out. Wow, shot. Rocket Rod Pamplin. It's been a long time, 10 years, since this guy stood on the 72nd tee. Oh, yeah, took it right over the desert. Got a chance. Boom. Seven years young and back in the winner's circle for the first time in a decade. Winning Arnold Palmer's event in 06 was uh, it's still on top, but um, it's just the self-belief that I know it's still there. It certainly gives you the confidence that you can compete against the younger guys, and it's fantastic. Incredible performance. Yeah, it might be more than 10 years between drinks, but how good to see Rod Pampling finally get another USPGA victory at the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. Didn't he look good doing it? Oh, what about that putt to sink it? He was calling it, wasn't he? A couple, yeah. of, a couple of foot out of there. But he gets a two-year exemption on the US tour now, uh, qualified for the Masters and the PGA. Yeah, and a so, million and a bit dollars as yeah, well. Yeah, it was one, good payday yeah. too, wasn't it? 1.5 million in Las Vegas, and he's... A Apparently just spent about 700000 on the chocolate wheel. So, <laughs> a good weekend for Rod. Though, isn't a good like... Queensland boy. Yeah, look, I'm actually from his hometown. He, like, he oh. never picked up a golf club till he was 16. He was a groundsman at Caboolture Golf Club and used to do bird noises. He'd mimic the birds. But the best thing he happened... He... <laughs> bird noises. <laughs> what sort of bird? Did you go with him to the Bee Gees concert? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was a great skill to be able to mimic a kookaburra, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. No? I reckon that's probably one of the easier birds. Yeah. Is there any yeah. no, endangered species? But we were talking about cricketers and toughness. That kid's tough. He is just so tough. And I think the biggest thing that happened to be married is lovely wife, Angie's a psychologist, and she said, Ooh. write down everything that goes through your head and around, every single thought. So he sat there and they sat down and went, that's rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish. And he's been 
done, going well for 30 years ever since. If the only skill you have is being able to do bird noises, you do have to be tough. <laughs> hey, we should get him to do a bird I'd noise yeah. for next week. OK, yeah. Yeah. done. All right, to we'll launch done. a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love an unusual tee shot, and the Turkish Open came up with an absolute beauty. Now, the players had to climb stairs oh. uh, to hit from the roof of a villa. Get on me the there, Times. How good is that? Over the swimming pool? That would be absolutely awesome. There it is. Look at that. Fits. You've got a bunker. Yeah. Of course you need a roof in there somewhere, don't you? <laughs> You've got the whole you know thing. I mean? It takes three blokes to carry the mower up the stairs. Like, they thought it was the greatest thing ever, and they realised they've got to mow it. So there's some shots of these three big fat guys sort of up the stairs. Yeah. Now they've got a rotation uh, policy. Yeah. Yeah. I love novel tees, but they shouldn't just stop with a novel tee. Uh, you go the whole hog and trick up the greens as well, uh, mini golf style. I just think it's a great idea. Through he goes, and look, and look pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well done. Well, Look, this one, the gopher's always uh, in one of my favourites. And... Oh, <laughs> no, good at all. And the most famous of all, the windmill. I think it's just a great idea, Adam Scott. Having a... And through the windmill. Look, <laughs> <laughs> They've really embraced it, my idea. I feel like, like I'm up on the Gold yeah. Coast. <laughs> big win in the big blue for Sydney FC, but it wasn't without controversy with David Carney's equaliser coming after a brilliant first touch. Whoop, with the arm, though, sadly. Uh, and then he manages to kick the ball. Referee doesn't see it. Uh, not deemed a handball. The goal stands. The super sub, David Carney. Yeah. Coming in, what was it, two goals within 30 minutes. So um, the first time Sydney FC's come from behind to beat Melbourne Victory, but always so controversial, isn't yeah. it? And spiteful encounters. And they're looking at bringing video... Uh, you're right, absolutely right. They are going to bring in the, the idea of having the video review so that those kinds of things don't, don't happen again. They do it in, in the, the States, I think, in one of the lower leagues in the soccer there, but uh, there you go. All right, look, anyone can miss uh, a penalty from the spot. Uh, didn't the crowd and Sydney players get it? Bess up, Barisha. He smoked that one over the net. Yeah, but his reaction there is, mate, well done. And, I mean, we know how much this bloke loves to niggle the opposition, but he did so well just to keep smiling and walk away then, didn't he? Yeah. Going to get his Australian citizenship on Australia Day. Yes, exactly. Mm. So So he'll be an Aussie. Absolutely right. (laughs) Won't be able to play for the Socceroos. But, uh, all right, nasty incident on the sideline with uh, Michael Zullo crashing headfirst into a table used by officials. That could have been particularly ugly. As he comes through the table on the side, it's used to just to hold, you know, the Jeez. board for the replacement numbers. I've done that before, just not on the sporting arena. You <laughs> <laughs> <a few> nightclubs. <laughs> exactly right. Um, but it is. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, no, it is. They're trying to work out how to change because it's a problem, obviously, that other sports have to deal with as well. One in particular has a history of issues with tables. They just can't get it right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there they go. All the time. They've been trying to work on it. And, and sometimes, look, sometimes they even put them in the, inside the ring. <laughs> what they were thinking. Uh, so, it's obviously, it's a problem across codes. <laughs> Trio of football stars <laughs> out on the training paddock together at Barthelon. And we've got Neymar, Messi and Suarez. Look at this. <laughs> Not happy. Oh, he isn't happy. Look at no, that. That's... He's dirtied up there. No, those two, they stitch each other up all the time, those two. Suarez and Neymar. Yeah, they've got a really oh, okay. good they've got a really good relationship.
They do That's all the time. That's a really good relationship. No, they, they do. They, get, they play little tricks like that on each other all the time. Oh, it's it's a total adolescence being in a football team, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. All right, now for our weekly segment, how the goalkeeper got it horribly wrong. Uh, I do love this, obviously, the anger. Here comes the ball in uh, and straight out. Puts a bit of spin on it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> touch. That's tough, that one. <laughs> what the back spin on it? He's created the back spin. You know what? You know, at the end of the footy season, this show would be stuffed without goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> so thank right. you very much yeah. for the <laughs> Keep up the bad work. <laughs> Some more Aussie glory in the UK. The Kangaroos continued their Four Nations success, beating New Zealand, almost guaranteeing a spot in the final. They've got to take on England. That'll be the interesting moment. England, of course, did beat Scotland. Not a great performance. And once again, Wayne Bennett was a little bit surly and terse and with the media afterwards, but now he comes up against Mal Meninga. That'll be fascinating. <laughs> it really will be. It, and it's interesting, they haven't cracked the code on how to flush out Wayne Bennett at a presser. And there's a little trick we try in Brisbane, mm -hmm. and it's been working secretly for, for about 10 years, and that is you ask the question, all right, that he goes, mm -hmm, and then you've got to be brave. You move it closer. No, you just look at him. You don't say a word, you count to ten, and eventually he gets embarrassed and, like, he'll go, I don't know. And then you say, yes, and you just leave it there. Then after about ten seconds he goes, well, I mean, you know, you can't expect... He gets embarrassed and he opens up, but there are a couple of times a year when he wouldn't open up and then it's very embarrassing for you sort of thing just being there. Does but, he watch uh, this show? Because that... Yeah. Well, <laughs> no one will work at all. My that. worry is that a guy, his hooker, Andrew McCulloch from up in Brisbane, he watched it, he'll pass it on. But he watched it. <laughs> that is the way to crack Wayne <laughs> Bennett. Sit, hold your faith, just sit there and look at him, ask the question, but you can't blink. And you'll flush him out eventually. Is that in your book too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you'll never be a good magician, mate. <laughs> just giving away all your tricks. It takes a lot of little things to win a flag, even the team logo. Now, North Ooh, Melbourne yeah. has changed its logo again, deciding to frighten opponents with the really surly kangaroo. Now, that looks what, like what do you that, make of that? that you remember that steroid kangaroo that's running around in Australia at the moment? That's, the, that's yeah. it there. That well, big that's, that, that was kangaroo. what they wanted to do after 10 years. 2007 was their last one. They've got a new chairman. Obviously, a lot of players have retired, so a bit of a new era. They wanted a meaner looking Roo. But it's not just the Roo, they're obviously the, the North Melbourne, that mm. kind of locality thing's become important because it's just been the kangaroos. We can see some of the old ones as well that they've had, which is focused more on, you know, there's the kangaroos, the kangaroos, but they have actually, they've a changed the focus. A lot of innovation on a few of those. No, really. no, it's exactly. just some poor marketing bloke who's just trying to justify his job down at North Melbourne, I think, isn't yeah. it? Probably getting a lot of money to do it as well. I think I did find the inspiration for the angry kangaroo, though. Okay. Yeah, remember when the Brisbane Bears uh, had the really angry ko koala? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Terrifying. He didn't get paid by Sky Suits. <laughs> I, I think they just traced Johnny Gastev's shit head oh, off on that one, I think. Geelong, they tried, uh, you remember, the, the cranky cat as well. I remember that. On the footy cards, yeah, that one. On the footy cards, yeah. exactly right. Larry for Donoghue. For Melbourne, it, it was all about finding really a grumpy demon. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's a bit scary. A little bit scary. So there you go. I mean, obviously, the, uh, his <laughs> for St Kilda, much more difficult the demon because you've got the saint. Do you remember this? I, I love this old one. 
Yeah. Safe oh, from that's the right. TV yeah. show. That was the plugger era. Yeah, beautiful. There you go. They're very, very important to winning. Very sport. important. Well, see, to Tony, winning. I, we were at Southern Footy League where I grew up in Adelaide. We were the Port Nalunga cockle divers. And then we had the Flagstaff Hill Bush Pigs, who Dizzy's a Flagstaff Hill he boy. He is. Yeah. We can ask him if ever he was. And the Norlunga shoes. For the Bush Pigs. And they were just a horseshoe. <laughs> wine <laughs> flies, the Ranella wine flies. Have we got their flags? I think everyone was half pissed when they named it. <laughs> Getting into the clear air with ball in hand is usually enough for the uh, NBA stars to score. Not so for Sam Decker from Houston. Look, he, he gets away. There we go. Slight problem, though, uh, against the Knicks. It looks Sorry. even worse from front on oh, because. No. Oh, oh, that's, oh, I think that's the first time where someone's actually literally dribbled on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Not dribbled the ball on oh. the ball. That's great, isn't it? And of course, it's the imperfect lead in for this week's top five players who should have scored but totally butchered it. Brought to you by Kia. Uh. And at number five, well, why don't we start with the NFL? Look, they're supporting your teammate. And then they're just plain getting in the way. Oh, oh, no. No. Oh. I'm here for you, I'm here for you, and oh, oh, down man. I go. Well oh, played, sunshine. Oh. Number four, uh, the Giants, Reese Palmer. Looks home and hose oh, here. Open what goal what square. could possibly go wrong? One too many bounces. Oh. He doesn't play for the Giants anymore. No. no. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> right, number three, here's... Uh, Wigan showing how to bomb a try and lose two players to injury all at once. He does the hammy, gets the pass out, kicks the ball on with the knee, the big dive, and... Oh! oh. oh. the table on the way through. Oh. Oh. It's awful. It worked on so many levels. Uh, at number two, obviously, the most important part of scoring a try, a try is grounding the ball. Now, look, this guy's got, he's got plenty of time, no hurry whatsoever. Yeah, take it easy. What's he doing? Just walking. Do, do, put do, it do. down. Comes to the referee, you know what's going to happen, don't you, Kel? Look, put the ball down. Put it down. Put it down. Put it down. Number one, this comes from a football game in Brazil. Look, this guy does all the hard work, gets past the goalkeeper. That's pretty good. Yeah. Give it a big one, fella. And. Right out of the prison grounds. <laughs> he was given another five years for that. Coming up, we are joined by legendary fast bowler Jason Gillespie right here. <laughs> Jason Gillespie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We have representatives from the Guinness Book of Records here for the most South Australians on a panel on television. Yeah. Hands up if you're from South Australia. There we go. I did time there. You did time. No, I did time there. What are you talking about? Nice to be back. Oh, I'm loving being back, yeah. Um, had a wonderful five years in the north of England, uh, living in Leeds, uh, where I was coaching at Yorkshire. 
Um, but yeah, the time's right to come back. So yeah, really enjoying it back here. The play on we had there, the music, the kind of bubblegum pop 60s uh, Dizzy, which isn't your style, obviously. You know, Dizzy Probably Gillespie, not. do you ever have you, the jazz trumpeter? Do you ever play any of his music? I do actually have a CD of Dizzy Gillespie, <laughs> but I, I, I was looking in some uh, stuff the other day. Uh, we got some stuff out of storage and it uh, hadn't actually been opened, um, the, the, the uh, CD. So haven't really listened to a lot of it, but, uh, but you know, from what I heard, he was a, he was a wonderful trumpeter. Well, you nearly got to meet Lemmy from Motorhead when we are on tour oh. in 2001. Oh. We had this freakish day, went to the uh, CD store, wow. and he goes, oh, what about the best of Motorhead? And I go, Diz, you, you'll like it, get it. And you di I don't think you did buy it. I didn't buy Later it. Later on that night, mm. crossing the road, guess who's next to me? Lenny from Motorhead. <laughs> so I'm, running, I'm waving to uh, Dizzy He's and Adam Gilchrist going, hey, Dizzy like this. <laughs> He's running across the road. <laughs> Lenny's got this big cowboy hat on. So Gilly reckons I, I was taking, thought he was taking the mickey. You know that Dumb Dumber scene with yeah. the bare essentials? Yeah. <laughs> thought I was taking the mission out of that <laughs> You guys have a relationship, though, because, Diz, when you got married, um, mm. you only there was only a few people at the wedding, mm. and I don't know what was he going was through there. your brain. He was there. You were one oh, of yeah. them. Your wife was the other. Yep. And Flem was in your groom's party. Is that correct? He, he was, yeah. Did and, he get up uh, and make a speech, or what, yeah. what was his duties that day? Um, it was pretty casual, wasn't it? To yeah. just uh, mingle, wasn't it? And, uh, <laughs> we just hung out, didn't we? Well, we just went up to Port Douglas and obviously Anna had to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took uh, my wife Wendy and we were just snorkelling yeah. and well, it was good married fun. on the boat and fantastic. The, the night before the wedding was quite good. There was just three of us, my brother-in-law, Greg, <laughs> Flem and myself, and we did a bit of a crawl, didn't bit we? Bit of an incident. We could talk about your private life all Let's bring a little bit of cricket back into the equation. Yeah. I want to get to your career, your, your storied career and some of the great things from it in, in a moment. But just quickly, because we've been discussing what's just gone on in Perth. Yep. Uh, you, you've been coaching in, in Yorkshire. Uh, I don't know what your future lies in terms of coaching mm. in, in that kind of style again. But what have you made of what got, has gone on over the past five days in that test? Well, well Australia uh, simply didn't bat well enough, did they? Um, particularly that first innings to, to lose all those, those wickets for less than 100 runs. Um, you know, if they could... You know, I suppose in their debrief, review, whatever, that they would look at that and go, you know what, this was a, a real important part of the game that we just didn't get right. And, uh, you know, I think Darren Lehman's alluded to that in the post-match presses and things like that. So, so that'll be something that, that they'll be aware of. I need to improve on for sure. But, um, but yeah, look, it wasn't the best performance by Australia. We know they can play better. And uh, hopefully we will see a better performance down in Hobart. And you just missed out on the England coaching gig. Do you harbour ambitions to coach Australia one day? Is that part of the reason for moving back or is that sort of a, a dream? No, well, the reason we moved back was uh, to, uh, for family, uh, bring the kids back here uh, to Australia. And I felt um, being uh, at Yorkshire... Didn't know how much longer, maybe another year, yeah. maybe two, but um, felt it was the right time from a family point of view to all, all be back here. Um, it was great fun, had a brilliant time, really enjoyed it. Um, as for the future, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, and Diz, you're very successful as well. You won yep. two titles um, in first class cricket, you just missed out on the three, Pete. Yep. Uh, uh, what was your philosophy with the, the fast bowlers? You know, there's plenty of conjecture at the yeah. moment. Sidsy's going to miss the, the, the next couple of tests as well. What did you do with rotations and preparing yeah. fast bowlers yeah, for look, first class cricket? It's a tough one in county cricket. I mean, you're playing 16 four day games, 14 one days, 14 T20s in a, in a short space, and I think. 
last the summer just gone, I think we had 19 first-class games, four-day games plus um, the the one-day and T20 stuff, and then once you make semi-finals and finals, and you, you add that on, so it is a, a management thing. I mean, we had a pool of fast bowlers. You, you couldn't rely on three or four to get through a season like mm. that. So we knew we, um, you know, we had some injuries as well. Um, you know, a couple of players who were probably moving on a little bit. Um, former England sir Ryan Sidebottoms in his late 30s. He just played four-day cricket. So we had a couple of players that, that predominantly played one form of the game over the other. Um, you know, I think we had a stretch of 25 or 26 days out of 30, which are actual playing days. So you do have to, you know, identify periods where you can maybe give a player a rest here and there. Um, but, yeah, it is a hot topic, Flem. You're exactly right. Um, look, I'm a big believer in uh, players taking personal responsibility for their performances because at the end of the day, they're being judged on their output on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, so there needs to be some really good communication there. I mean, let's face it... Some everyone... control on their preparation. I, I think so, because they're the ones being judged. If they don't perform, then they get moved on. Um, so they should have a say. But, look, I'm sure those conversations are all happening between support staff, and medical uh, and the like. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to sit here and, and say this is what it should be or, or that, but unless you know everything, it's hard to comment. But, look, I, I'm a big believer in players being responsible for their own games. Because you want about the quirky side of your nature. I remember on tour, you were really <laughs> superstitious for a while. I mean, tell us some of the quirky stuff that, 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 that rolled around in your head, some of your big superstitions. Oh, Crash, there's so many, <laughs> so many to mention. I remember Matty Hayden, for instance, uh, he would always give me a lot of grief because he, he worked out during this period of my career where I wouldn't take 13 steps to hand my cap to the umpire. <laughs> so he'd see me coming up and then doing a little jig to make sure I didn't take 13 steps. <laughs> so he, I'd start hearing, as he's running into um, go to fielding position, I'd hear 10, 11, 12. <laughs> <laughs> messing with my head. Um, but, you know, it was just one of those things when, you know, superstition probably overtook routine. Um, you know, I think you need to have good routines to... You wouldn't be... stay in 13 on a plane, would you? Because it's 13C, you'd go, ooh, wouldn't you? Remember that? Yeah, I was a bit funny like that. I wouldn't stay on the 13th floor of a uh, hotel. I mean, this all started when I had number 13 on my back early in my career. And I got injured, injury after yeah. injury after injury, I thought... And, you know, the young Jason Gillespie thought, well, you know what, it must be the number on my back. So I did that and, yeah, yeah, changed the number and seemed to have a little bit more luck. You changed your look around as well uh, during your career <laughs> and, and hair was a big part of it. Uh, oh, here we go. You did very well in, in bringing the mullet back. That uh, is... I tried my best. Yeah, I mean, almost single-handedly you returned it to the yeah. sporting world and, and we admire you for it. Well, Tony, you know how that came about? It was a conversation with Adam Gilchrist and it might have been over a beer or two. <laughs> and we just bemoaned the fact there was no mullets left in, yeah. in first-class cricket and in national cricket because the last, one I, the last person I thought was rocking it was probably Damien. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. yeah. We've got that one, actually, <laughs> I, I think. Can, yeah, this, oh, that'd be there rough. it is. <laughs> Oh, that's there, there scary. Is. For any it is kid, scary. That, I think that kid there was in the seminar with Jared Hayne. <laughs> <laughs> you did a beautiful... I was a big Bond Scott fan. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, we missed the ponytail. You were the ponytail yeah. express when he debuted, Crash, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure what I was doing there. <laughs> 
I wanted to ask you about the, the great 200 and batting. We've only got you know 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing day for you, and you went past several players uh, and you celebrated each one. Yeah, I certainly did. I, I did remember. Um, I think Flemo's highest score is 71, so when I was raising my bat for 72, we're <laughs> on the ground going, what is going on here? You reckon it's better than a hat trick, Diz? It's better. When oh, we... It's a tough one because you want to be judged on what your main role is, yep. but, you know, it, it, it was very satisfying to go past the number 99 because, you know, everyone thinks I went past 100, but I was actually raising my bat going past Shane Keith Warne. Yeah. So I was two scores 99. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. But, um, but there, there were a number of milestones. Um, what about Ma Ian Chappell? What was his high score? Um, Oh, his was in the 180s, 190s. past that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark Wall. Yeah, well, I actually sent Mark a text because I knew his highest test score was 158. <laughs> so after the epic innings, I, I just said, look, uh, Junior, it's Dizzy, hope you're well. Um, you know, I, I really battled. You know, I want to know how you handled the 160s in test cricket, but I really struggled. <laughs> but I managed to get through. And, uh, I got a two-word reply to that text. <laughs> Well, guess what they are? Uh, <laughs> Gillespie. Absolutely Go wonderful. That time flew. Uh, love to have you on the show again very no soon. No problem. Thanks Jason Gillespie, me. brilliant. Coming up, uh, Champ of the Week. And don't forget, later tonight, uh, Inside Cricket with Brendan, Julian and Mark War, as it turns out. Stick around. Time now for some speed cubing. Yeah, that's what I'm calling it. Matt's Volk has broken the world record for solving the Rubik's Cube. Look at this. 4.74 seconds. Smash the old record of 4.9. There you go. The old record yeah. belonged to a 14-year-old. This guy's done it. 4.79 Which seconds. Which apparently is as, as long as he lasts in the bedroom as well. Fitzy. <laughs> Time take control of this show. Yeah. What was that from Fitzy? Yeah, I know. I don't well, think well. I ever got one side done. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> me frustrates me. Uh, all right, let's find out our champ of the week. <clears throat> you know what? We've gone for Andy Murray. Uh, he now stands on top of the tennis world, holding the number one ranking for the first time in his career. It's been a great year for him, taking over the top ranking after his win at the Paris Masters. 29, that makes him the second oldest player to reach number one for the first time. I think uh, Nukes at 30 is the oldest. Well played. Absolutely. Well played, Andy Murray. Sadly, that's where we leave you for this week. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.